The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are here in the overwhelming shadow of Northeastern, Northeastern Beanpot wins. Yeah. The trade deadline is chugging towards us, and uh, the St. Louis Blues have clearly opted out of the playoffs in tw- in the 2023 uh, spring. I'm not surprised. I think they recognize that <clears throat> their goaltending is not what it needs to be and that the team is not where they need to be. So, I will explain to- the amazing and terrifying provenance of the number 145. Uh, in a few minutes. Okay. And we're going to look at like playoff odds. We're going to look at uh, obviously the Ryan O'Reilly, Nolachari trade. Um, a look at one of the top teams in the league through the eyes of our, our buddies over at Deadspin. Um, and uh, various and sundry news. Where would you like to start? Well, I mean, we could start with a fairly simple one. Just because I happen to find it, didn't realize it. it might not be a huge move in most people's eyes, but I mean, for for the better part of his career, he's kind of moved around since leaving the Penguins. Uh, health was an issue back then, but he seems to have leveled out. But Oli Mata has signed a two-year extension worth not a whole lot of money, which may which may be beneficial to. Uh, a growing team like the Red Wings. So he signed a two-year deal at $6 million total. Uh, Not a huge stats guy, but I don't think that's really his game. He's only got like 17 or 20 points this season. I think the big thing here is that you've got somebody who's got that kind of experience, and the Red Wings are a team that plan on bringing up Simon Edmondson and, and Wallander... So they've got a, a couple of young left-shot defensemen coming up in the system that he could be beneficial in, in helping. I think this was a good move for both him and for the Red Wings. It, it solidifies a little bit on the defense. He's been their most, most consistent uh, this season. And it just it, it looks like a, a not much of a deal that anybody really wants to talk about, but I think that in, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's – pretty solid move for uh, Steve Eiserman. I've always liked Ole Mata, but yeah, he had, I mean, I want to say his first or second year, he had that cancer diagnosis and then he had a bunch of like freak breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since then it's been, he seems to have uh steadied in it a little bit but it's still it's still been odd uh the number and variety of rather of uh injuries that he picked up for a couple of years uh, between him and uh him and uh Matt Murray I'm not sure who the trainers and a team doctors saw more in Pittsburgh uh, I don't know I, He's got 17 um, as of this writing, which was two days ago. He got 17 points. The other thing with him, and this could be another 
kind of hidden reason for doing it, and I don't know if it's really where Eiserman's head is at, but he's got 85 playoff games and two Stanley Cups to his name. He does, and that adding so, that playoff experience is something that most GMs look for when their teams are starting to rise to the point where it's what a I'm possibility. Saying is, but what I'm saying is it's a it, this is a multi-pronged deal. I mean, it could be a that he's giving him a, a, a not so costly extension uh, with the possibility of moving him for more future draft capital prospects, whatever. Or if he's expecting that the Red Wings are going to get into a playoff situation in the next two next two to three years. He's got that that guy that's been there, done that, two Stanley Cups on his, you know, two two rings oh, yeah. on his hand. So it's a it's a multi pronged effort here, where he can use him as trade material, trade currency, or he could keep him and have that locker room experience. And that's so I think it's a great, I think it's really good for a three for you know average three million dollars a year, which and is that's right big above because. Uh, Detroit, you know, it, you look at them, they're in the sixth wild card spot. But they've also only one team between them and Pittsburgh has played less games. Um, it would take a lot of help for them to make the playoffs this year, but it's not completely out of the question. They and Buffalo both at 60 points. The Islanders are at 63. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are at 63. Um, and between between the uh, between Buffalo and Detroit sit uh, Washington and Florida, but Florida's played 59 games. Washington's played 58. The Islanders have played 59. There's potential there with only two or three points for one or both teams uh, to climb into that playoff spot. Um, I don't see it happening, and I think that Buffalo has a stronger case than Detroit. Um, if for no other reason than they score a whole lot more. Okay. Um, but it's, I think that this is the type of thing that will benefit the, or the, uh, the Red Wings, either the players by having him around or the roster in the future by moving him off for additional capital or at least different capital at some time in the future, in the near future, and by the near, more medium future, I suppose, which could be any time between this year's draft and, uh, you know, the uh, trade deadline two years from now. But yeah, I've always liked Olimata. Um, we also have the. Uh, let's just dive into the the big Ryan O'Reilly trade. <laughs> okay. You don't sound um, too excited by uh, by see, this. I I can't get super excited by it because I think it was a I think it was a bad in terms of actually winning the cup. Do I think it increases their chances of winning in the first round? Probably. 
because I do. I mean, look, I think they can beat Tampa Bay. I said it increases their chances. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the I mean the best <laughs> the best thing about uh, facing Tampa Bay for Toronto in the first round, as is likely to happen, is that it's not the Boston Bruins. Okay. Uh, the Bruins are in Toronto's head. Oh, living rent free, without like, a doubt. Living rent free and throwing parties at nearly every occasion. Um, but here's the terms of the deal: it was a three-way deal that involved the Blues, the Leafs, and the Wild. The Wild acquired half of Ryan O'Reilly's salary, so three point seven five uh, for the rest of the season. And a fourth round pick from Toronto. Um, St. Louis acquired Adam Gaudet, uh, played here in uh, in college in Boston. Mikhail, Mikhail Abramov, a first in 2023 from Toronto, a third in 2023 from Ottawa, and a second in 2024 uh, from Ottawa, uh, from Toronto. Um Long term, unless St. Louis falls down uh, at the draft or at least in the scouting process, I think they win this trade. Um, But the Leafs acquired Ryan O'Reilly, UFA at the end of the season. Um, Josh Pilar, uh, who's a who's probably the least mentioned name in this entire trade. Um, because I've literally only heard it once. He's an undraft. Uh, no, I'm sorry, fourth round draft pick of the of the Wild in 2021. Um, still playing for these uh, in the uh, WHL. Only gotten into 14 games this season. Not spectacular numbers. Uh, nope. So Ryan O'Reilly. His game has taken. His game has uh, been gifted by Father Time uh, with a little extra baggage. Um, you know those nice lead ankle, uh, nice lead uh, weights for the ankles and everything, because he has slowed down a little bit. He's not dead in the. He's not dead in the water or anything like that, but he's not as speedy as he was three years ago. Understandable. Um, But UFA after the season, there's literally no way that Toronto is going to be able to sign him to any sort of contract. (laughs) He can still demand. Um, Well, not if they're going to re-sign Austin Matthews. It's like, it's... uh, And then... Matthews is a UFA at the end of the season? Matthews is a UFA at the end of next season. Next season, okay. Um, Adam Gaudet, uh, Braintree Mass, 6'1", 170. Uh, spent most of the year. He, actually, he spent all year in the uh, in the minors with the Marlies, having wow. himself a solid season there. Uh, Thirty four points with twenty goals in forty games. Um, last season, he split his time between the Senators and Chicago. 
but hasn't really managed to be effective in the NHL yet. Um, sure, the Canucks having a different coach every season or so it seemed probably has not helped his career development. But 218 NHL games, 27 goals, uh, 70 total points, and a plus-minus that uh, adds up to a significant number higher than his age. Um, and then Abramov, who, again, not talked about very much. I'm not familiar with him. I did see a couple of people talking about him. Um Last two seasons entirely with the Marlies. Uh, he is a 21-year-old center out of Russia. Eh, 16 points in 34 games this year. I guess I'll reserve judgment. Uh, I don't get it. I don't get to see enough AHL games. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to. Um, make my uh, response re- uh, show friendly here. <sighs> well, clearly the Blues won this deal. Uh, getting the draft capital that they that they received alone is going to significantly help them. I understand that uh, the whole Jerry Maguire line that and, and popcorn and the you know until it popped, it's just. It's just seeds in the pan. I get that. But what they've acquired as far as picks will help them. They're not going to – I didn't. I honestly didn't believe they were making the playoffs. I have issues no. with their goaltending, as we've discussed many times. That being said, yeah, Toronto still has issues with their goaltending. And even though I've seen articles where it says that they've addressed their biggest need – uh, you didn't address defense anywhere. No. And I'm sorry, outside of Jake Muzzin and 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 Mr. Giordano, with I, Jake Muzzin I, on the shelf, I and Jake's on the shelf. But I don't trust the rest of their defense. And wait, T.J. Brody and uh, Jordy Ben are not the defensive defensemen who make you uh, feel all tingly. Uh no, no tingles. No tingles. No tingles. Weird. Yeah, sorry. Weird. No. Not not happening. No. So you spent all this money and you go and you pick up and, and I understand that yes, Ryan O'Reilly has benefits in the playoffs. He's got the experience. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's consummate. So is Nolachari. I mean, Nolachari is a is. Exactly the sort of bottom six forward every team should be hoping lands in their lap. When you can go out and make it happen, it's Mm -hmm. good. But like you said, there's literally nothing here that helps the actual defensive group. They they are at sixty seven percent of their sixty seven percent of their salary is spent on forwards. Yep. 24% on defense. I'm sorry. Who are these people? Okay. Lilligren. Uh, Jordy Ben's 35. I mean, and, and was never impressive to begin with. He's his brother. Now there's a goal scorer or what? Maybe not this year, but 
I mean, Jordy, Mark Giordano is 39. Yes, but Mark Giordano is useful. Wait, good? <laughs> um, Don't know. The rest, uh, of the, the rest of the Rat Pack here? No. Morgan Riley at $7.5 million per. Uh, he He's good offensively, and that's literally that's, everything. Yeah. No, um, Samsonov's numbers, I guess, are decent this year. Uh, let, me, let me make sure I want. But he's down to a nine. I know he was a little bit higher. He was actually uh, closer to rarefied air of Linus Olmark, but not so much now. He's a 918 save percentage, 2.3 goals against. I just, I know you addressed the wrong issue. You didn't need another forward on this team. I'm sorry. You lose the trade. Kyle Dubas. Pack your bags. Should be, yeah, should be typing up an addendum to his resume. I, I And if this does blow over with the amount of draft capital that they have left for the next, what, three years? No, uh, no second rounders. Um, they they don't even I think they only have three picks in the in the upcoming draft. Which is supposed to be one of the strongest drafts in a long time. This year they have a third, which isn't even theirs. I mean, it, it's a good thing for them because it's a it was Arizona's pick. So, but third round pick from Arizona condition. It's a conditional. Or for Arizona, yeah. Um, so they could end up with only two picks in the draft in this year's draft, a fifth and a sixth, as things stand right now. 2024, they've got their first. Yay. And that's with, what is it, seven United, uh, seven UFA forwards this year? Yeah, seven mm, yeah. plus an RFA, and then two UFA defensemen. Um, those numbers are all scary. Um, it, it, the math just doesn't add up for Mr. Dubas. I'm sorry. I, I don't see it. I don't, well, I don't like two, what he's done here other scary numbers and I want to see if you can figure out what they are before I tell you. Okay. They are uh, as I mentioned before the show, the number 145. 145, okay. And the number 9. And the two numbers are definitely linked. Number 9? And in almost all cases, you can only accumulate the nine after accumulating the 145. Really? Ten seconds. Yeah, no kidding. Ten seconds. Um, nine games, 145 penalty minutes. I don't know. Well, you're partly right. Really? Nine games, 145 shots on goal? Um, nope. Okay. Uh, so, look, and please bear in mind that uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are now, have now played 56 games this year. The total... NHL games between their three goaltenders, 145. 
the total playoff career games. games. Total career games, 145 between their three goaltenders. Mm-hmm. Their total playoff games between their three goaltenders is nine. To- nine total NHL. Wait, games. wait a minute. Wait, stop. I thought they addressed this issue when they let Jack Campbell go so that they could bring in Matt Murray, who has, you know, Stanley Cups and playoff experience. And he's, oh, my God, he's so good. Yeah, Calgren has one NHL playoff game and 24 regular season games. Joseph Wall has five NHL games. Played at Boston College. And Ilya Samsonov, uh, or Samsonov, it's cha- his pronunciation has changed at least twice. He now pronounces it like um, Sergei. Like Sergei, yes. Now it's Samsonov, but it was Samsonov before. It is up to 116 regular season games, 27 of them this year. Um, And then uh, eight eight NHL playoff games. So, wait, is that Matt? Okay, so you and I have both said Matt Murray. Is he out again? When did this happen? I missed this one. He's out again. It doesn't matter. It's okay. Matt Murray. He's going to be out a significant portion of the season. That was a bad contract, not because of the salary number, not even because of the movement uh, clause. Or I just don't I, – I, I, Because it was Matt Murray. Yes, and but this they – This is a they, bad contract because it's Matt Murray. They put their, they put their trust in Kyle Dubas, and I – I Kyle Dubas, I think, is a great analyst. Like, I would have him as my number two guy, but you need someone to curb your enthusiasm. He needs someone to curb his enthusiasm because he's just – he falls in love with the numbers, and they take him to very bad places. Um. So, yes, 145 regular season games, nine postseason games between the three goaltenders who are most likely to be healthy when the playoffs arrive. I don't know if that bodes well for them in the play. Goaltending is kind of important in the playoffs. As yes. As it's been said many times, a hot goaltender can steal you a series, can steal you a cup. Unless they get nine playoff games, nine games of playoff experience, I just no. No, I, I. It, it, there's nothing wrong with the pieces in this trade. It's what they, it's what the pieces are not that's wrong with this trade, and that's that's enough said on the topic. Um. I want to take a quick look at the Ottawa Senators roster. Really? Yes. Okay. Something that I'm missing about Ottawa? Um, you know what? They're only – it's late in the season, so only is a relatively squishy term. They're five games – they've got five games in hand on the Islanders and are nine points behind them for the second wild card spot. They actually have a winning record this year. Uh, so 
looking at their roster, looking at who needs to be signed this off season or dealt with off this off season or told, sorry, uh, we don't have room at the end. Um, their number one and number two goaltenders are on the shelf. So you're saying the chances of them uh, of them the catching two, up? The two goalies they're currently playing are both up on emergency loan and earn a combined $1.7 million a year. I've never even heard of Kevin Mandelis. Mad I have, Sogard, I've at because least, I've been paying attention. Mad Sogard, I've at least heard of. <laughs> I was listening to a couple of Ottawa-focused uh, podcasts the other day. Okay. Um, so looking at their roster. Yeah. Buy or sell on Alex Dabrinkit? Me? Buy. Uh, no, I mean, if you're the Ottawa Senators, are you looking to extend him? He's had 18 goals. Uh, 45 points in 54 games and a minus 15 this year for you. I, I depends. I, I, I mean, compare that to the 1920 season where it took him 70 game or in 70 games, he accumulated the exact same totals, 18, yeah. 27 and 45. Yeah. But he also has two 40 goal seasons, a 30 goal season and a 28 goal season to his credit. Is he just not able to stay healthy? Is the rest of the team not good enough to keep him afloat? Um, or is this just a weird year and he's not done yet, so maybe he will crack that 30 mark again before the end of the year? But are you extending him or are you moving him? Uh, arbitration eligible. Uh I'm gonna to work to see if I I'm gonna to work to see if I can hang on to him. 25 years old, the talent is there. We've seen it with the with the with we've seen it with Chicago. Because remember, they he have fit, he fits into their scheme though. I mean, you look at I'm, the. I'm not saying he doesn't. Their youth is. But. Served. Yeah. They have 11 players signed for next season. Okay. And. Uh, a projected 16 million in cap space. So if you're keeping him, he's probably getting a raise from his 6.4. Even if he only goes up to seven, which is yeah. going to put him ahead of Claude Giroux. That's um, fine. Claude Giroux is 35, and I'm surprised that he's got. And close to Josh Norris. Um, who's on the shelf. Who is on the shelf at the moment. Um, that only leaves you 10 million or 9 million or so to fill the rest of your roster. Um, so Austin Watson, Tyler Mott, Austin Watson, probably not sticking around. Um, one I find interesting if for no other reason, um, and I love the name of his uh, his uh, hometown, Bonnie Lake. Tyler Mott, my um, Are you holding on to Dylan Gambrell for your uh, bottom six uh, duties, or are you going to see if you can flip him at the de- uh, at the deadline and at least pick up a fourth rounder or something? 
Dylan Gambrell. Um, wow, 34 games and a whole lot of not much. He's a depth forward, yeah. Yeah, but that's, I mean, one. Nick Felino, Nolachari are depth forwards, but they have double-digit goals this season. Uh, I, he's not a, I don't think he's played as much as either of them. I, I, eh, I like the name of his birthplace, but they can try and move him. I don't know what they're going to – I don't see them getting a huge payday for him. Oh, I, I, as I said, I don't, I don't expect it to be huge. His face-off numbers are nothing spectacular at 44-9. And you're right. He's only played in 34 games. They can try and move him. I don't. I mean, he's arbitration eligible, along with Debrinket. Because I'd say if you're going to move, I mean, if you're worried about Debrinket's price tag, you can move him at the deadline. Um, he, his his ability to put the puck in the net is going to bring Ottawa. It's going to bring capital. It's going to bring capital. Right. That said. It, it, it comes down to what you get for it. If you can't get, like, if you can't get a player who's going to slide in and fill a need, which mostly is on the back end for this team, like if you can't get a defenseman who's somewhere between 23 and 27 uh, that you can either sign as part of the deal or who already has at least three years term, I don't see it being straight up worth it. Um, I think the the thing is with him, I think they get because he's RFA, they can sit on him till the end of the year. They can work out a deal. They can work out a trade at the at the, at the tra- at the at the draft. I mean, it get the Ottawa's got all the options right now as far as that's concerned. Oh yeah, I mean, there's no urgency. It's not like they're going they're halfway to making the playoffs. Um, Shane Pinto. Another guy who's uh, right shot, 6'3", 201 pounds, um, plays center, good face-off numbers. Uh, he's won 52.3% of his face-offs, has a dozen, uh, has a dirty dozen goals. Um, 13.3 shooting percentage. If someone's looking for a depth forward and you're willing to part with him. Now um, this guy, they read this guy. They don't, they should him. resign. I, I think, well, if they can't get something really, if they can't get someone to overpay for him, unless Kyle Dubas comes in and says, they'll give up his first round pick next year. And, um, they're not. He's not. Uh, Shane Pinto is not going to be uh, eligible for an offer sheet. No, nope. but he's a ten-two-C guy. Um, Seventy-one career NHL games, thirty-one points on a team that's decidedly iffy. I. I mean, I would try and sign immediately at, if I were I, the Senators. I'm but, just looking at this year's numbers. I mean. He's got 23 points in 54 games. I mean, he really hasn't had a chance to showcase anything. I mean, he had 12 games in 2021. He had five games last season. 
Again, 54 games this year. He's got 23 points. There's something there, you know, where there's smoke, there's potentially fire. He was the first pick of the second round back in 2019. So, yeah, he's... I think they hang on. Yeah, you got to hang on to him. It would be smart to hang on to him, but if I'm talking to the Senators about another player, I'm probably going to see if I can get him worked into the deal. Oh, yeah. Um... 63201. Yep. And let's see. Derek Broussard, 35 year old, 61, 202, um, eight goals, six assists. And amazingly high for this team, minus one. <laughs> um, has played 994 regular season games and 118 playoff games um 118 playoff games that right there is the reason if they move him that somebody would pick him up um and i don't believe he's won a cup yet because i don't see um no because none of the guys uh, none of the teams he's played on unless it was did he get a cup in seven did the Penguins win in 17-18? Was that one of their cup years? I thought so. No, it, I mean, this is easily answered. Boom. Uh, let's see. Yeah, no, there's no cup in his future. Or in his past, you mean? Or his past. You know what? Uh, I Yes, his past. There's no cup in his past. I would uh I think I would try and move him if I could. He's, I think his I think his hundred and eighteen I think his hundred and eighteen games of playoffs experience does help in moving him at the deadline. Hey, look at this guy, hundred and eighty. What's his career? I mean, career face-off percentage. Uh, wait, is he a center? Yeah. Um, he plays center and left wing. I can tell you this season he's at forty-nine-six, so yeah. that's not terrible. Which is not far. Which is not his career. It's effectively fifty percent. Forty-eight-seven. So yeah. Uh, does he do anything especially? Like, is he? More of a power play, penalty kill guy. He's a physical forward, uh, like two-way forward. Okay. Uh, He was a little bit more offensively effective when he was younger, but he is – and with the Rangers, but that's, you know, a decade plus ago. Um, His last double-digit goal total was 1920, and the last time he struggled them together was 1314 through 1718. Um, actually, he had 21 goals in 17-18, split between the Senators and Pittsburgh. Um, this is his actual second trip uh, through Edmonton. Um, I I wouldn't be opposed to picking him up if I were a lot of teams, particularly if I didn't have much playoff experience, like say Seattle. Columbus, 
Rangers. Uh, I mean, he's well-traveled guy. Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's he's played for like Florida, six. Colorado times. Islanders, Arizona, Philly, Edmonton, Ottawa. He's been to Ottawa a couple of times. Actually, you said Edmonton, but okay. That's what um, he played last year for one playoff game. <laughs> uh, Travis Hamonic. Defenseman, different different animal, okay. 32 years old. Yeah. Uh, right defenseman. Okay. Um, he has stated in the past that he wanted to be closer to Western Canada and in Canadian terms, uh, Ottawa is Western Canada. Um, is it really? I'm pretty sure Ottawa is like Eastern Canada, but all right. Ask a Canadian. Um, details what? <laughs> 10, uh, 10 points through 54 games. Not that he's ever been an offensive defenseman. Um, better numbers than he had, or actually almost identical numbers to what he had splitting the year between Ottawa and Vancouver last year. Um, escaping Vancouver uh, is probably almost everyone's dream at this point. Um, yes, I said the silent part out loud. Um, <laughs> 772 NHL games, 22 playoff games. Uh, are you holding on to him, signing him for another two years to see if he can make help you make that push, or is it uh, so long and thanks for the fish? What do they have? My question is, at 36... No, he's 32. Oh. Monica's 32. Oh, 3.6. Oh, I saw that his cap percentage is 3.6. My apologies, wrong call. 32 years old. Uh, at $3 million, you give him, what, a two-year extension at... You give him three and three quarters, or three and a half at for two or three more years, and you're probably safe. Yeah, because um, solidifying defense to me is is important. You've got Shabbat locked up forever. Uh, That's a player that I heard a couple of podcasts talking about moving. You can't escape Zaitsev sooner unless you trade him, I suppose. Um, I actually heard a very serious discussion about um, about moving Shabbat. Shabbat. To where and why? Uh, he's not having a good season up there, uh, at least by his standards. But he's also played absolutely redonkulous minutes for the last his entire career. Okay. And this was part of the whole let's bring Eric Carlson back to Ottawa. Uh, <laughs> because there's nothing more, nothing more that most NHL observers like than sending a guy back to the team that he first played on. Why like why why does yes why does Eric Carlson want to do Ottawa revisited? Uh, wouldn't he rather go somewhere and win a cup? That's what I'm thinking. Not that I can see that happening given his contract because who no, name me a contender Meyer, but yeah name me a contender that even has five million in cap space much less ten. <laughs> Which is why Timo Meyer is not going anywhere. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's. I don't know how you make room. I mean, obviously, if you traded eight million dollars in 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 Thomas Shabbat's salary, 
Yes, you could trade that. You could find a way. And make the space for Eric Carlson. But in it doesn't do anything for you in Ottawa to bring Carlson back no, and trade out Shabbat. You're not getting into the playoffs this year. You're getting older. Um, you're probably getting more fragile. Uh, I... So who are, the, who are these? Who are these unemployed people that were? I'm sorry. Oh no! One of them was a former NHL player. Oh. Um, unemployed. Okay. And then you have Eric Brandstrom and Jakob uh, Larson. Brandstrom, you definitely keep. I Larson. think probably keeping both of them. Larson, yeah, probably. I mean, he made. He's arbitration eligible. He's at seven fifty. He's twenty five years old. Uh, has he hit the two hundred game mark? He's at one hundred seventy games. Yeah, you're keeping both of them. No one, yeah, no one's throwing an offer sheet at either of these guys this year. Not with the cap where it is, and or the way it's going to be. Brandstrom is the one that they acquired from Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. He was supposedly a big deal. Um, draft, yeah, yes, he was drafted round. from Vegas uh, back in 2017. Uh, He's played all of his NHL games with the Senators. Yeah, and, and not a very offensive defenseman, to say the least. In, in his career, he has a whopping three goals. He had lots of assists, 35 assists. And he's got a... He's got a for this team respectable minus three through forty nine games this season. So, and he's not and exactly a, not a big guy, but yet no, he's he's basically the same size as uh, Grizzly or Clifton. Yeah, well, um, Clifton is listed at five eleven one ninety. Come on now. Yeah, big body. Uh, just ask him. Well, just a couple of big, just a couple of big boys going at it, you know. Just <laughs> I I'm that was still one of the better. That was still one of the better lines. Oh, when he hit Milan, yeah, just a couple of big boys. <laughs> no, no, no. When he didn't he drop Lucic in that hit? He dropped Lucic in that hit. Yes. Yeah. And then and then said just a couple of big boys going at him. Lucic, who has at least thirty pounds on him. <laughs> Although people talk about. How small Grizzly and Clifton are? Yeah. You realize they're the same size, uh, and Clifton's actually a little bit bigger than the weight that Sweeney played at a lot of his career. Why are we comparing Connor Clifton to Don Sweeney? Both of them are pretty defensive defensemen. Oh. Both of them hit pretty pretty damn well. So what happened to Sweeney after he took the uniform off? Because he's not. The, the business acumen may not be the best, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but the, I I wanted your I wanted to see what you had to say on that. Um, Eric Brand, yeah, no, those two you got to keep. Hamannick, I think you I think you actually do bring Hamannick back for you don't give him a huge deal, but you give him like two years, three and a half. That solidifies your defense. Shabbat is not going anywhere. I think that's foolishness. If 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 you're actually going to tell me that Pierre Dorian is even considering trading Thomas Shabbat, I'd probably have to fly my way up to Ottawa just to smack him upside the head. Um, I don't see it happening. What you've got? You've got Norris on the shelf. You got your two your top two goalies on the shelf. 
you've got your just yeah you got your big time defenseman Sanderson on the shelf yeah so according to our good buddies over at moneypuck.com before you look before you open it up I haven't done a thing can you name in order who they have as the top three teams in likelihood to win the Stanley Cup top three teams in order of likelihood, yes. In order of likelihood. Um, starting at three. Uh, Dallas. Boston. Colorado. I don't know. And you only have one of those right, and uh, it's going to leave you somewhat flabbergasted to discover who. Um, so I only got, got one right. That's terrible. And not in the right order. That's a fail. So what? Dallas is number one. Number three is Boston at ten point three percent. I was going to say Boston at three, but then I'm like, no, it can't be that bad. Okay, so. Calgary is number two at 10.4, and that's the one that made me absolutely gobsmacked. Calgary. Calgary. And number one is the Carolina Hurricanes at 15.4%. Calgary. This is making me question their math pretty hard. Okay, wait, because, no, see, in order to win the Stanley Cup, you have to do something really crazy, which is called make the playoffs. As it stands right now, Calgary is not in the playoffs. <laughs> Technically speaking, that's true. I, I know I'm using the, the, the L and R and, and it's not allowed and I'm sorry, but. They do have more regulation wins and more regulation or overtime wins than Minnesota, which is, I think, part of how they're calculating this, their odds. Okay. So Boston third and Carolina for I mean I can understand the Carolina thing I, I probably should have guessed Carolina Carolina has been on a little bit of a tear. My question with Carolina is the same. You have ever hear about Carolina? It's the goaltending. I Anderson is a good goaltender. Their best goalie this year has been Kochetkov, and he's not even he's down in the minors. They're, I was actually reading an article about this, but the, their style of play hasn't changed. They're they're fabulous. Plus, they've exa- they've exhausted all this energy to catch up to the Bruins. That when they actually get to the playoffs, the 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 argument is that they're not going to have the energy to actually put up a huge fight in the playoffs. The fact well, that. Their goaltending is meh this year. That's we're actually going to talk about that in uh, in a moment or two. Oh, okay. But in terms of teams to make the playoffs, Money Puck has Boston and Carolina, not surprisingly, at 100 percent odds right now. It's not actually quite that because it's theoretically possible for both teams to lose every game in regulation between now and the end of the season. It's just not very likely. But it is technically possible. I mean, 
I don't think they have any more games against each other, maybe one game against each other. So theoretically one could lose in overtime or, or it, it could, you could, one could accidentally win a game, but um, Toronto's at 99%, 99.9 Jersey at 99.8 Tampa Bay at 99.4 the Rangers at 97 Dallas, 94.6 Seattle, 94.4 something I did not think I would see this year. Um, I don't Vegas. think either one of us picked Seattle to be there this year. I did not pick year. Seattle to be in the playoffs. I did not pick the Kings to be in the playoffs. And they're at 93-8, just behind the Vegas Knights at 93-9. Yep. Winnipeg, 93. Edmonton, 92. Calgary's somehow has an 83.5% chance of making the playoffs, but they, a better shot at winning the Stanley Cup than the Boston Bruins. <laughs> make that make sense. Um, Colorado Avalanche, 73.4% chance of making the playoffs and 2.3% chance of winning the Stanley Cup. Okay. Um, Minnesota, um, 66.4 and 4.4. And Pittsburgh, 63.2, 1.2. Buffalo still has a 42% chance of making the playoffs and a 1.2% chance of winning the Cup. Wow. You know, as much as I would love Boston to win, that would be an absolute delight of a story. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm I'm gonna revoke your your Bruins fandom card now because you're actually rooting for Buffalo instead. I am not rooting for Buffalo. <laughs> I said it would be a great story. It would be it would be a very feel good story, yes. Um, and then, uh, but you realize that Florida, the last one we'll talk about 39.4 and a 3% chance of winning the Stanley cup. They have played so many more games than they're at 59 game, uh, 59. The Islanders have played 59. Mm -hmm. Florida's played 59. Everyone else is like 55 or 56. There's some 57s, but yeah, most of the most most of the teams in the NHL are at 55, 56. Nashville is at 53, and they currently sit oh, two, two spots two, out. Two spots, two spots out and five, five and five points. points. Yeah, I don't think Nashville's making it. Nashville I mean, is uh, Nashville's. Uh, I have them on a bubble right now, but yeah. The, Unfortunately, they just haven't done enough to help you say Saros out. Well, they don't score, and exactly. their defense is reasonable, and that's their it. De their defense is Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm, and let's hope that we can do something about it. I mean, they've allowed significantly less goals than most of the teams in the Western Conference. Uh, only Minnesota has actually allowed less. Poor Jeremy Lozon just did not look good against the Bruins. Um, maybe he's hoping to be waived uh, again and the Bruins will claim him on waivers. It was a sneaky bit of strategy. Oh, okay. Here, let me yes. score. Let me score on my own team and maybe twice and, you know, just to really try and seal the deal. Um, but by the way, that number has gotten bigger. Eek. But, you know, you look at Calgary, Nashville and... Minnesota. Calgary's going to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Calgary, Nashville, and St Calgary's defense isn't impressive. Yeah. Their goal scoring isn't impressive. 
well, we still want we still want. You look at Minnesota. You can say their defense has been impressive, but they're really not scoring very much. No. I mean, if they're going to win a playoff round, and they still have to make the playoffs because they're four, five, and one in their last ten. Um, they're six and three in the shootout, which means they're really having a lot of really close games. Um, Excuse me. They need to pick up if they're actually going for it this year. Yeah. They need to pick up some offense somewhere, somehow. Do you think Minnesota's really going for it, though? I haven't seen them make it. I haven't seen them make any moves or give me the impression that they're actually going for it. Wait, wait. You don't you genuinely don't believe that uh, picking up a fourth round pick out of this trade out of the Ryan O'Reilly trade and three and three and three quarter million in salary was going for it? Oh, that's right. They picked up the fourth round pick. I'm, what was I thinking? Of course they're going for it. Yeah. Yes. I tried to do that with this. They're going to use it to pick up Patrick Kane for the stretch run. I've actually seen that rumor as well. And that's exactly what I was thinking. Honk. Yeah, no, it's not happening. Patrick Kane, he only listed two teams that he was willing to go to, and one of them actually made their move already and decided that he wasn't who they were going after, and that was the Rangers. They brought in Tarasenko. I don't know that that's a better move. No, but Patrick Kane hadn't made his desires known, but um, the other one was not the Boston Bruins or the Buffalo Sabres or the Buffalo Sabres. So, yeah, I don't think the Minnesota is going to be acquiring Kane unless you're sure I'm fairly certain. I'm not going to say it's 100 percent lock, but pretty sure he's not going to go to Minnesota. You know where he a sneaky place for him to go, particularly if he's got any sort of and any sort of interesting ambitions like entertainment wise after after his career after his playing career Los Angeles baby Patrick Kane to the Kings Patrick Kane to the Kings interesting I wonder he can play him and Quinton Byfield uh, or him and Anze Kopitar or him, Kopitar, and Fiala as a line. I think that's going to win you a playoff round all, all by itself. Again, I have no idea how you're going to make the cap work because they have nothing. I mean, their projected deadline cap space is under three and a half, which means you almost have to move you have to get you probably have to get assuming it's a it's just yeah. Patrick Kane coming in and you're not team, able to move salary out the other team he had listed was Kane. sorry go ahead no i was just going to say the other team he had listed was carolina it was either the rangers or carolina i can see him i can see him working with carolina and i think yes. that changes the equation for carolina but i don't know that it changes it enough um, 
I I think that I, think I don't that, think that Kane to Los Angeles would be fascinating, but it would probably have to be a three-way deal where someone picks up where, you know, uh, Chicago retains half the salary or, you know, 25% of the salary and the intermediary team, you know, picks up a second or a third or even a fourth round pick and also retains, you know, 50% of what's left. Um, because, I mean, think about it. You've got Doughty and Kopitar left who have won cups. Didn't Trevor Moore win a cup somewhere? Trevor Moore. And you've got some really, really interesting no. young players on the, on this team. Um, on, on the Kings, yes. I mean, the obvious ones are uh, Quentin Byfield and oh, Sean yeah. Dersey and uh, Tobias Yornput, although he hasn't really solidified his NHL credentials yeah. yet. I like Blake Lazat. Alex Iafalo is still young. I I think that um, Adrian Kempe is someone who a lot of teams or ju- a lot of fans underestimate. Yeah. And Philip Denault isn't exactly old. Um, he's no longer hockey young, but he's not old. No, but I think that he gives them decent playoff experience if, if and when they make it there. Uh, he's... He's been a penalty killer. He was with, I mean, with the Canadians. He's a good played, face-off man, too. He's a good face-off man. I, I think that signing Deno, or I think they signed him. He was acquired through via signing. But I think it was a good move. However they acquired him, I think that it was a good move for the Kings to bring him in. And I owe you, I owe you and everybody listening an apology. It is not the Carolina Hurricanes that were his second team. Patrick Kane's two teams were the New York Rangers who acquired Tarasenko and the Maple Leafs who have now acquired Ryan O'Reilly. So I don't think that Patrick Kane is going to get his wish. Maybe they'll just trade like (laughs) two or three of their defensemen and just play four forwards and a defenseman. uh, Once they acquire Patrick Kane. No, (sighs) no, 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 no. Okay. Um, I'm guessing both of those teams are close to home, and yet they aren't the Buffalo Sabres. So that's why he'd be happy to go to either one of those two teams. It's the only thing I can think of. Well, the only thing Sam Fells can think of is uh, it's time for our yearly "Don't Buy Carolina Hurricane Stock" column. Yes, that's the um, that's the article I was referring to. Okay. I have to agree with him. When I when you look at this roster, there are there's like nine players, ten players, maybe that you'd want to add to your team. Jordan I'm, Stahl is still a great faceoff man. Okay. Uh, Sebastian Ajo, Casperi uh, Kutnemi. Still doing the thing. Even Derek Stepan, who is uh, certainly approaching hockey old, um, is is creating uh, solid faceoff numbers. You look at their actual offense. Marty Natchez, 51 points in 48 games. 
Sebastian Ajo, a 24-24 and 48-48 and 48 line. Never going to make anyone cry and want him to go away. Andrei Shvechnikov, 46 points with 19 goals in 55 games. Mm-hmm. Um, get uh, some of the real-time stats that are interestingly kept um, in certain buildings. Okay. Uh, and you know you've got some you've got some solid, and you end up with some solid numbers and things there. But here, for my money, I think that every cup that I can remember being hoisted. Mm-hmm. You can think of the team. And identify a superstar or the clear best player on the team. Yes. Can you do that with this team? No. And I know that that was a very quick answer, but seriously, I go back to the whole goaltending thing. I go back to the whole, I don't know that Aho is that type of a leader. I mean, yes, he's offensively gifted. Svechnikov. Hey, he tries to be physical and then 119 hits in 55 games for Svechnikov. Yeah. 106 and 54 for Stahl. Um, and then no six, 70 or no sin rather 76 and 52. I just well, playing no, under 12 minutes a game. There's nobody on this team. that There's no one on this team that you can point to and say, that's the one that's going to drag them kicking and screaming. On the Bruins in 2011, Tim Thomas kicking and screaming. Um, quick in the two cups that they won, it, it, the Kings won. It, in the Blackhawks, in their three cups, it was either Kane or Taze. Or or, you know, it, or Keith. Like, well, it should have been Seabrook, but yeah, Duncan Keith. Keith, Keith or Seabrook. But like, or you could look at a team and say – Wow, look at that core. They're going to be together a long time, as in the case of Keith and Seabrook and Sharp and um, Kane and Taze in in Chicago, yeah. or the Doughty, um, Kopitar, Brown uh, core in Los Angeles. Do you see the Brown statue? that when I look at this team. No, there, that's what I'm saying. There's there's nobody on this team that's going to – Eric Stahl? No. Uh, he's got experience, but no. A lot I just, of nice-to-haves and no must-haves. I just don't see it, and that's where – and that's why this story, when I read it, when you sent this to me and I read it, I was like, you know what? This makes entire sense, and this is where I got the whole – you know, a little bit of foreshadowing. This is where I got the whole thing about the, you know, they expended so much energy in the regular season to catch up. So just to get there, you know, they the whole they didn't lose in regulation in December. The, they've had a, a strong thing, strong record since the beginning of the season, since the beginning of the year, new year. It's. Again, doing the same that they always do, spreading the wealth, hurting teams from basically every line. Yeah, that's great. They spread around the wealth. But 
there's nothing there's there's no one here that I would pinpoint as I said Frederick and Anderson that, nor Auntie Ranta have cracked a 902 save percentage this season Eek. and the type of play that you're talking about it really really works well in the regular season yes in the playoffs when teams have a really good idea who they're going to be playing for the next four plus games when a series starts. They have time to prepare, and if they're better at neutralizing your either your depth or matching your top six, you're done. You're done. Unless you're far healthier, far healthier, or far, far faster. Which, And this is one of the reasons I would like the Bruins to pick up speed, because I think that they're vulnerable to... New Jersey to a lesser, slightly lesser extent, Carolina, Toronto, if they make it that far, Toronto, Toronto is a different breed. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if Boston is as slow as they, or if Toronto just made them look, slow, but, but Toronto is fast, but they still lost. Like, yes, Boston and Toronto played one of the best regular season games I've seen in a couple of years earlier this year. Yes. And Toronto still lost. I, I don't worry about them as long as the Bruins are in their head. I think the scariest, uh, or I think the most telling thing about this article was not uh, was the the graphic that Mr. Fells puts in Carolina five v five offense and where they seem to score the bulk of their goals from. And if you look at their heat zones, it's left point right point, right in front of the net. Their coldest spot is the place where Ovechkin scores the bulk of his goals, and that's the face-off dots. <laughs> yeah. Where Pasta scores most of his goals. I mean, it, it's very telling. It says, and he writes right in the article, they play a heavy dump and chase, chip and charge game, and that's fine. Uh, teams do that. I mean, teams are getting away from it because they're generating more speed to – to break through as far as offensive zone entries, but they're still playing a heavy dump and chase game. They're getting in there, working hard, but then they cycle it back around. It seems to me that that's playing into the Bruins wheelhouse because the Bruins do their best to keep you on the perimeter, keep you on the outside. So if you're going to play that type of offense against the Bruins defending, and I'm just using them as an example, Mm-hmm. It you're actually playing into their hands. You're making it easier for them. Okay, we're going to dump and chase, and we're going to send it around the points, and we're going to try and work it around and get it inside. Bruins want you to keep it on the points. Bruins want you to keep it outside, you know, on the perimeter. Allmark or Swayman will take shots from there every day, all day. Exactly. And so, yes, the whole point of this article, you know, don't buy, don't buy Carolina Hurricane stock. I'm not. And I realize that compared to the the list that you just gave me where they're ranked where they're listed number one odds to win the Stanley Cup, I don't see it. You know what? I, I would put them behind Vegas. I would put them behind I would put them behind the Rangers or the Devils. I I can't imagine Toronto actually winning the Stanley Cup this year. 
unless legitimately, unless Boston gets knocked out in the first round, and then whoever they play in the second round is critically injured, I don't know that they're going to have enough confidence in themselves to compensate for their lack of a back end. Now we could end up with, they could shove Ken Dryden's, uh, Ken Dryden into net or the next Ken Dryden into net. And we suddenly see um, Tyler wall go off uh, and have a 9.67 save percentage. Um, Tyler wall in the, uh, is the Toronto. Uh, Wall. Was they have they have Joseph Wall. Joseph Wall. Sorry. Uh, there was there were two guys with very similar last names. Yeah. In no. I I, I I remember. Yeah. No. I do remember that there was a Tyler Wall that was up in Toronto as well. Yeah. Or Eric uh, Calgren just goes off and continues his his uh, shutout streak in the playoffs for you know twelve or so wins. I don't see it happening. I, I literally, I, I cannot see Toronto winning the Stanley Cup. It's not like, because they don't have good players. Austin Matthews, uh, Mitch Marner, um, their whole roster uh, what the about, roster is pretty well stacked. But what about Carolina? I can't see them winning either. Okay. Like, no, I, I'm not buying on either team. No, I don't see it. Uh, we've got some other stuff in here. Most of it not fun. Um, yeah, there's some there's some rough news in there. Um, former Avalanche Stars and Flames uh, coach Paul Gerard, uh, known to folks as PJ, 57 years old, uh, has passed after a battle uh, with long-term cancer. Uh, he had been coaching at the University of Nebraska Omaha since uh, May of 2018. Um, there's some, there's a lot of really nice words about the Winnipeg native, former NHL defenseman. Um, only played a few NHL games, but won a Calder Cup with the in the AHL. Um, his final season as a player. Um, it's, I, I mean, 57. How old are some of the guys who are still hanging around in hockey? Um, There's a couple of general managers in their 70s. Uh, He had a long career ahead of him as long as he wanted it. Uh, Condolences to his friends and family. Um, Condolences are also in order for Alex Ovechkin and his family. Uh, uh, It was recently uh, mentioned that was going to be out because of uh, family matters, which he fairly, which he clarified about a day later by revealing that his his father um, had passed. Yeah, uh, we'd seen his father in the past at a lot of uh, Capitals games. Uh, Mikhail Ovechkin uh, spent a decent amount of time around the team. Seventy-one year old former Olympian. Uh, I want to say that that's where. Oh, his parents met. Uh, the mother was a tennis player. Um, I forget what uh, what the elder of Etchkin, uh 
what sport he played, but he was also an athlete. Um, take a look at some of the articles. Uh, definitely had a huge influence on on Ovi, and uh, his his issue his other issues are are more logistical, but. There's things like trying to get into and out of Russia with everything that's going on over there. Uh, so, what I read something, and I want to say it was a tweet, but I don't remember where I saw it because it was a few days ago. But when he first announced that he was taking a leave, you know, and a leave, and didn't give a time frame as much time as he needed, and there were people out there who were like. Oh, see, this is this is true, you know, true family man. You know, he's taking time off. And no ego here. He's he's not going after the record. He, other things are more important to him. I'm just thinking to myself, I get that, but is this really the time to be? I mean, oh, the opposite takes are even more baffling. The people who were saying most people only get two or three days off when their family member dies. And he's taking all this time off. I'm like, he's got to fly like eight time zones away. Yep. Probably hasn't seen his mother since well before the uh, invasion of uh, the Ukraine. Um, People need to simmer the bleep down. Yeah. Exactly. I, I just, I don't get it. Let his father pass. Leave him to grieve with his family. He'll be back when he's ready to come back. Uh, and again, condolences to the Ovechkin family uh, and all their friends. Um, good luck uh, to Alex in getting back and getting his head back into the game when he's ready. Uh, Bruins play or the Bruins and the Islanders arrived on the same ice yesterday and uh, the <laughs> Bruins played and the Islanders were present. The, the, the Islanders showed up for their participation trophy. They, they did pick up a second goal, um, but it was already six one. Uh, it was six one at the end of the second period. And, it was a beatdown. It, it, this was not a close game. This was a beatdown. And Barzal had a non-contact injury, apparently. Oh, I, I, non-contact? My understanding is it happened when Craig Smith hit him. Um, I thought I thought I saw someone say that he left without contact. I, I, I might be thinking of someone else, but okay. No. It is, there's actually footage all over Twitter as far as you know. I think that was. I think that might have been uh, Matthew Barzal. I think it was a previous game. Someone else okay. was. Uh, yeah, Barzal exited the game at 6:05, taking a hit from Craig Smith. Play looked innocuous. Barzal took an awkward stride after his lower body hit the boards. They think it's an ankle. Uh, he did come back out after at the next TV timeout to try and test it, which obviously we wouldn't see watching it on television. Uh, but apparently it didn't work, went back down the tunnel and did not come back. And as of this writing, 
which was a few um, a few hours ago. Yeah. There's still no there's still no update as to what's going on with it, whether it's a serious, not serious. I don't want to speculate because I'm not a doctor. Uh, I will only say that typically the longer it takes for them to say something about it, usually it's somewhat serious. If it's if it's something where I got knock on the head. It's also a holiday weekend. It Um, is also a holiday weekend, which makes it yeah President's Day weekend here in the states. Uh, So it could uh, it that could also be delaying what's going on. So like I said, not speculating. I don't know. I just know that he left the game, and that's not good for the Islanders considering. Uh, apparently, he started playing significantly better when they acquired Bo Horvat. Which well, when I you don't see. have to be the only center that anyone not on the team can name, probably helps. <laughs> That's what I was thinking as probably well. Probably helps. Um, we did run a couple of pulls uh, this week. Um, First one up is ran a quick poll on will the biggest NHL trade now until the deadline, and that was ran on the 12th. I uh, have five pieces, five to six pieces, seven to nine pieces, 10 to 12, or four or less. Um, the biggest chunk, 50%, was for four or less. Um, hopefully, right, the Ryan O'Reilly trade, which happened after this. Uh, is not the biggest trade we see because that's going to be a very boring deadlines show. Um, but uh, 16.7% for seven to nine. Uh, and then uh, 33 and a third percent for 50 or through four, five to six pieces. This trade, the Ryan O'Reilly trade, I think actually counts when you take in the draft picks. Uh, so there's one, two, three, four players, no, five players involved, three draft picks, four draft picks involved. Yeah, so that's – it's a big trade in terms of what was moved. I don't know that it moves the needle the right way. Still don't love the trade. Yeah, I'm <laughs> – Excuse me. I, I and I still think that since it's pieces and whatnot, I I, I don't know if we're gonna see seven, eight, ten pieces moved all at the same time. I, I, will there be other bigger names? I mean, we've moved some pretty big names so far. I mean, Tarasenko is a big name. If whether he's having a big season or not is a different story. But Tarasenko is a big name. Ryan O'Reilly's a big name. Uh, if we see Kane, Taze, or Carlson moved, those are going to involve a lot of moving pieces. Yes, I agree. Um, second poll, and mm-hmm. this is because I – this is because I'm me. Um, which is better scripted, the NHL having a new guy who is going to be traded every year for five seasons at the deadline – or the whole NHL season every year. 
Um, uh, noted that Jacob Chikrin is the current guy. Um, I was on the whole NFL season every year, not NHL, NFL, NFL season every year. Yes. Um, most of you probably are aware of the quip of a player. And I don't know if they believe it or not. I, I suspect not, but that the entire NFL season is actually scripted. Um, Arian Foster came out and gave that interview and said that, yeah, he gets the playbook at the beginning of each game or something like that. It, it's like WWE. and <laughs> Yeah. I, uh, I suspect he was not entirely serious. I'm, but I'm thinking I'm thinking tongue might have been somewhat firmly planted in cheek in that particular interview. <laughs> but the uh, the NHL beat out the NFL on this one. Seventy three point seven percent voted for better scripting for having the same perpetually trade to be traded guy every year. Well, Jacob Chicken every year is he, he's he's been voted as the guy. And yet somehow is still playing, languishing. Still an Arizona Coyote and still held for <laughs> trade-related reasons from the lineup. And that's the thing. They held him for trade-related reasons, and yet he's not traded. I don't get it. Because <laughs> everybody thought, oh, this is it. He's going to the Bruins. He's being held for trade-related reasons. He's going to the Bruins. Nope, he didn't go anywhere. <laughs> as far as the NFL being scripted, that's a whole nother argument for a whole nother podcast. I have my I have my opinions, but I'll hold them here. <laughs> I just it, it, and Jacob. I mean, is Jacob Chikrin? Should he be the guy? I mean. He's got that contract that's very, like as I've said before, he's, the contract is very friendly, in my opinion, for the talent level. I think he signed it a little bit early. He took his money, took the safety, you know, took the money and the security. Oh, uh, I don't of really a long, think so. of a long-term deal. I don't think that Arizona had any choice but to sign someone young and likable at the time. You're not, you're not saying that the team needed some kind of boost to their image, are they? Right. I'm there was a great deal of PR involved in making that sign. <laughs> and I will say the same thing about uh, Clayton Keller. I think mean, they're both good players. I say that they were entirely justified in the deals that they signed, or were they perhaps aspirational contracts? Um, overall by the Coyotes in 16. Was that a Cheka draft? I think that may have been a Jacob draft, but I'm not sure. And at this point, almost doesn't matter. Um, I uh, I am actually also interested in seeing what Columbus does between now and the deadline. Um, if they're really, really diving into the tank and trying to make sure that they do, in fact, win the draft lottery. Uh, and give themselves some better odds uh, by evicting a couple of players. Okay. We talked about my like of Boone Jenner. Yes, I like Boone Jenner. He's. Um, I would. I don't know what else they have to actually sell on this team, though. 
in Columbus. <laughs> the equipment, the pucks, the, the I mean, sell without gutting themselves. Uh, you can't. Goudreau has a no movement clause, right? And just got there. Um, Patrick Line at eight seven, uh, eight point seven million a year. Yes, six five and two oh six. Who can skate is pretty g dang attractive. Thirty four points in forty one games on a non playoff team. Wow, you're so nice. I am. I'm very very nice. Um, a non playoff team. Alrighty then. I mean, he's got two thirty goal and a forty goal season under his under his belt. Mm-hmm. But he's also had a couple of meh seasons since. I mean, mm-hmm. last year, 56 points in 56 games is always solid, but let me check my math. 80, uh, 56 is not 82, and there were 82 games in last season, which means he missed a little time. Maybe uh, they bring back Sean Corrali. Uh, we know I like Sean Corelli a lot, but I don't see them making that happen under the cap for for added value. Like, I don't know that he moves the needle. I think he fits in the locker room. I thought you just, right? wanted, thought you just wanted depth. I want speed. S-P-E-E-D. Mm-hmm. And Sean Corelli is not that. Not, no, he's not. He's... he's He's the antithesis of speed. He's not – he's strong, and, and yes, he gets physical in the corner, but, yeah, speed is not his game. I understand. Uh, and he's – I mean, I think he'd waive it. his no trade to come back to Boston. But he's also got two more years at a cap hit of two and a half. Yeah. I mean, the cap hit's not terrible. No. But – not particularly speedy. I do like his uh, truculence and always have. Yes. He's, I mean, he's got 10 goals this season. It's his second highest in his career. So it's, I don't think it would be a terrible addition, but like, he's no faster than Nosik or Polino. In fact, probably slower than Polino. Really? Healthy Polito. I just, I'm... I couldn't make I'm my... Trying to think, I'm trying to I, think of that player that fits into what you're looking for. Because Boone Jenner doesn't really players. fit in there either. I don't, I don't see anyone on this team who actually does. For, I want speed for Boston. I want... Someone speedy who can be tossed onto that third line or fourth line at need. I think the probably the best player, theoretically, potentially, maybe kind of available, is Athanasiu. Yes. And after that, it's um, you're probably you're probably going to have to convince another playoff team to part with someone, and that's just not going to happen. No, I don't see it happening. I mean, I mean, could you possibly convince the uh, 
the um, the Panthers to part with Carter Verhage? Eh, I guess. Is he actually useful enough at four plus million? The Panthers probably the Panthers sitting right now are probably thinking they can still make the play, even though they've played more games and. Although he's on pace for like thirty-five or forty goals this year. I don't think that I don't think they're dealing Verhage. I don't think they're dealing Verhage. And I like Carter Verhage a lot. What? I said I like Carter Verhage a lot. I don't think they're dealing him. So. Um. But. I mean, looking more towards the the bottom of the lineup. I mean, Duclair. You, uh, Eric Stahl is no longer fast. <laughs> Probably league average for speed, but he's certainly no longer fast. Right. Um. You look at the. We talked about the Islanders earlier. There's no one fast on that team who we're going to get. Uh, J.G. Pajot, no longer fast. Casey Zizekas, Matt Martin, no, Ross no. Ross Johnston, maybe? Maybe? But probably Does, no. No. Uh, looking out west, I don't see anyone on the Sharks that I would be interested in. There's the odds that Minnesota is actually going to part with Joel Erickson Ack are minute. Good luck with that. Actually, is at five and a quarter million. So you're, unless you're planning to swap him out for Krejci, which I think would go over really not very well in the locker room. Mm. Yeah, no. Mm. I, and I don't see them. So I, I don't. Leaving aside the fact that the Bruins can't afford him, I don't see Matt Boldy coming back in a deal. Um, nope. Yeah, the problem is, is speed is equated with youth, and most of the teams, even those that are not making the playoffs, are holding on to their youth. Well, so, generally speaking, you have to in order to do anything useful in the NHL these days. Um, so, so this whole argument is kind of a. It's basically Athanasiu or no one, or or someone out of your own system. It, it, that's that's really where it comes down to. I mean, Owen Tippett isn't super fast. Morgan Frost isn't super fast. Um, and I don't know that Morgan Frost moves the needle. Yeah, I still want this guy in Florida. And he's close. Could return next week. Not wearing it. He he shed the yellow non-contact jersey. Yay. Anthony Duclair. I would, we both know I would love that. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> he's um, close. He's close. <laughs> is Tanner Janot at a reasonable speed? I don't remember him very well. I don't think so. 
But again, you're asking a team that's on the bubble of making the playoffs to start. If Nashville dealing. thinks they're actually making the playoffs this year. They need to sit down until that lay down until that feeling goes away. Well, then you tell David Poyle that because he's one of the few GMs in the NHL that I trust. And if he does start making moves, then I'll know he feels they're not going to make the playoffs. They're but, five points out. Yes, they have three games in hand. But I, he's not making moves, which tells me that he thinks that they're either, they're either going to stand pat, they're going to try and make it with what they've got, or they feel that they can make it. He hasn't done anything to show me otherwise. And like I said, Poyle is just one of those GMs that, uh, sorry, unlike Kyle Dubas, I don't I, I, I don't trust Dubas. I don't trust uh, the here's, one that's running things in Arizona. I don't. Here's the thing. They played. They're eleven, eleven, and three on the road this year. Okay. In in Nashville, and they have more road games left than they do home games. At home, they're fifteen, ten, and three. Okay. Uh, with that sort of split, just based on, just based on the pure ugly math. Without looking at their, who they're actually playing, they should not believe that they're making the playoffs. I don't care about games in hand. If 53 games is enough is enough time for you to show me who you are. They would need to add significant scoring in order to make the playoffs, and they need to do it almost immediately. And then they'd need to, you know, win on the road. They'd need to go like they had. They played 22, 25 uh, games uh, on the road. So within those final games, they'd need to uh, final road games. I I, I don't know. You're asking you're asking the teams to. They'd probably need to win eleven of them. Okay in order to make the playoffs based on how much they have to jump over. And then they'd have to go, they'd have to have in their, in their remaining home games, they have to probably still be three or four games above five hundreds. That's, that's a big ask. The math doesn't. I get what you're, I get what you're saying, but you're asking, you're also asking highly competitive players to admit that they're not going to be successful at something. I mean, our our buddies at Money Puck have give them a thirteen point nine percent chance of winning of making the playoffs. That's it's only not, two tenths of a percent above the Ottawa Senators' chances of making the playoffs. It's not. It is admittedly double the Detroit Red Wings' chances of making the playoffs, but I don't think any of those teams are making the playoffs. If they wanted to correct their situation, they should have done it in November or December by adding scoring. Mm -hmm. But this team has been on the decline since they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. And at this point, you really do have to look at the GM's office and say, is this still our guy? 
I can't do that. Okay. I'm pretty certain Poyle is the longest tenured GM in the league. Yep. And happy birthday to him. He just turned 73. Happy uh, birthday, on, David. On Valentine's Day. But um, 16 seasons or 15, 15 plus years, one Stanley Cup final appearance, no cup wins, and a team that is, they are not quite to the range of circling the drain. But anyone who can't see that they're on a downward arc and not an upward arc is deluded. Okay. I've been digging around. Tanajano, I don't think, is the speed that you're looking for. No. I I, I think at this point it's, it's... Unless Brendan Gallagher is available and as fast as he was five <laughs> years ago. And yes, we both know we would both love to have uh, Gallagher. Yeah. And I, he's not even healthy at the moment. Is he still out? Yeah. I'm sorry. And I don't know why he would rush back at this point because he would be playing absolutely meaningless hockey again. Would he be ruining Montreal's chances at Connor? Uh, if you're if you're uh, if you're think if you're thinking that there might be a cratering for uh, Connor uh, attempt going on, you're probably not alone in that. Well, first of all, Montreal would never admit to that, but yeah. Look at all the look at all the names on their injury lists. I mean, some of them are, eh, but you got Brendan Gallagher, you got Jake Evans. Oh, sorry to see that. Slavkovsky, who was their draft pick what last year and this past draft. Caulfield, Kaiden Goulet. Then you got long term IR. You got Carey Price. You got Sean Monahan. You got Paul Byron. Big, when three big three big ouches. Well, at least two big ouches anyway. And then Carey Price. When Gallagher went out um, a little over a month ago, it was estimated at six weeks for his return time. So, in theory, he could be back before the deadline. Um, I still don't see it happening. Like, if I were him, even as competitive as he is, but knowing the injury history he's suffered through in the last three years. Take an extra week or two. <laughs> take an extra week or two. I, I wouldn't necessarily say take the whole rest of the season because I can't imagine him doing that if he's reasonably he healthy. Star, I think he'd go stock raving bonkers if he did that. Oh, it would be hilarious how insane he'd be. Um, like genuinely, fascinatingly entertaining. Um, and he has to know that it age 30, he's got uh, a short amount of time left. But anything cheap. No, they don't. But I think I'm I'm looking at Montreal. I'm just thinking, barring the fact that Montreal would never trade with Boston, at least I I don't know if that's still true, but there was a time where they, this dislike was so strong that they weren't dealing. I 
don't think that's a factor anymore. I mean, they're certainly not trading as Nick Suzuki or a a theoretically healthy um, Kirby Doc Cole Caulfield. Um, Kirby Doc. Mm-hmm. Kirby Doc might mm-hmm. actually be a possibility uh-huh. because he'd have I to mean, change his number. Yeah. Just doing the the math. Mm-hmm. If Carey Price ever actually comes back, like if Carey Price tells them, I will be ready to play at training camp in September. You're dreaming big, huh? Uh, look, I said if. <laughs> that's ten million. You're coaching 10 your million. answer now. You. <laughs> that's ten and a half million in dollars they have to find on the cap space. Yes. Or they buy him out. Which is still going to be a sucky move in terms of their in terms of their cap long term because he he has three more seasons at that ten and a half. Oh, you and with a no movement clause, I don't think they can buy him out against his will. Um, fortunately for them, Monahan and Byron come off the cap hit, and that's that's not inconsiderable ten million between them. But for the regular injured reserve. Yeah. They have 11 million there between Gallagher, Evans, Slavovsky, Cole, Goulet, and is it, is it Zhaikov? Arbor Zhaikov, perhaps? You want me to try and pronounce it now? Okay. Um, I can certainly make the attempt. <laughs> but they would have to start moving people. And I mean, I'm not saying trade them two first round picks to pick up Kirby Doc's um, somewhat retained salary. But I also wouldn't say no, if they somehow managed to pick up Kirby Doc and slap him onto the right side and play him. Uh, yeah, I probably, I probably wouldn't try throwing him onto the center dot. No, but like but if you, I'd put him. I'd certainly play him at that right wing that also says next to his name because his career, his faceoff percentage this year is thirty nine point nine, so forty percent. How many faceoffs has he taken though? Uh, faceoffs one for uh, one twenty two hundred and thirteen. Okay, that's a reasonable sample. Um, he's one eighty five and lost one hundred and twenty eight. I, I I can't see it happening. Certainly not as a. I, I don't. I think like you, it's unlikely to be a direct trade. But I think it's unlikely to happen. But it would be again. I love speculating on interesting stuff. That this one's more real than Boston getting Patrick Kane. Sorry. If they could find a way to grab Kirby Doc out of Montreal this year, yes, I would do it in a skinny minute. The thing that the the the. To meet to meet you halfway on this, though, his playoffs consist of a whopping nine games in which he had six points, a goal and five assists, which and he averaged 19 and a half minutes a game. And that's a what I look at when I sit when I look at the at those numbers, that is better production than he has had than he had in the regular season. That he had ha- that he had played that year, because he's up to two thirds of a point per game from a third of a point per game. Um, 
And that's really that's the only time he's come close to that again was the 2021 season where he had 10 points in 18 games. So he's back up in that range and he's back up there this year, this year with 35 and 54. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would do that. I would if I could get Kirby Doc out of he them for a reasonable price. And I'm not just saying for the Bruins, anyone who wants a right wing, I think you can probably. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you. The thing is, he's once again, he's young, he's talented. I don't see them moving him. But that's look if if I was going to look at their roster, that's somebody I would target. Look at everyone else on that team who's young and talented. They have Owen Beck, who they've already gotten into uh, into the lineup at some point this year. They have Bobski, who's injured. They have Evans, who's injured. They have Caulfield, who's injured. They have Goulet, who's injured. There's only so many. Uh, there's only 12 forward roster spots, and most teams are going to take someone they drafted over someone they picked up if the if they feel the trajectories are roughly equal. One of the nice things that Kirby Doc has in his favor, not that he uses it very well, is he is a little bit bigger than most of the most of the rest of the guys on the team uh, in the system. Six four two twelve. But I don't see anyone sensible complaining about picking him up. And let's no, see. No, I, I don't either. I, I that, that's one that I would target, and but I don't see them giving him up at twenty two years old, former first round. And we, I think we've actually. I, I, I think you're right. I don't necessarily see them wanting to give him up. Uh, it's going to depend on what they get back. Um, this is one of those trades where maybe something like a Brandon Busey for, for um, Kirby Doc is a sweet enough deal to make them bite. But I don't want to trade... I want to trade a good goaltender to Montreal less than they want to trade me a good forward. <laughs> I completely agree on that one. I don't know if I'd want to send them Busey either. Uh, they do have, hey, they do have Caden Primo in the pipeline, and even though his numbers don't he's bear been in it the out, and for like eighteen years at this point. No, the, first of all, he's played with a big club. Second of all, the club is terrible. So I know the club is terrible. To, like Linus and a couple of other goaltenders in the league, you have to take his numbers with a slight grain of salt based on what's playing in front of him. But, I mean, you look at his largest NHL appearance total, the 21-22 season. Yes, they were awful. And he could um, just be a bust. I'm not, I, I don't think I'm ready to go there yet, but. I would be less concerned overall if his, um, if his regular season numbers in Laval were better, that said in his favor, oh man, did he elevate in those uh, 14 uh, playoff games in the 21-22 season? He went from 33 games in the regular season with a 909, yeah, to 14 games in the playoffs with a 936. Kind of stepped it up there, and it's That's, not a small sample size. That's not a small sample size. Um, so, I mean, sure, communication factors into it. 
and maybe he just hasn't gotten into sync with the with the players on the big club. But I mean, I think some of it is the what I'll call the uh, Tuukka Rask effect for goaltenders for Montreal right now, because um, you've got Carey Price coming back soon. And even if you're playing lights out hockey, yep. based on his contract and the fact that his name is Carey Bleeping Price, they're going to play. This is, but like you said, and and like you said, this is what messed up the goaltending uh, equation last season was the whole Tuukka Rask coming back, coming back, coming back. Then I mean, they finally bring him back. Thankfully, he recognized it that it wasn't happening and shut it down quickly. It was what a week, week and a half. I mean, Sam Samuel Montembeau has been the best goaltender for he's Montreal a, this season. He was a and decent goalie a, down in Florida. So what? He was a decent goalie in Florida. I liked Sam Montembeau. He was a decent goalie. His in NHL Florida. numbers in Florida were not great. No, they weren't. I, I also I know six save percentage isn't saving your job if Kerry flipping price shows back up at uh, at the arena. Okay, fair enough. Um, so yeah, all three of these guys, Primo, Montembeau, and that, that looking over your shoulder, Jake, Jake Allen, Allen the, the veteran Jake Allen from, I think Jake stays just because of what they're paying him unless they can find a way to deal him. But Montembeau, yeah. Caden Primo, it holds him up. It, it, yeah. There's just too much uh, iffiness in that whole goaltending scenario and that boys and girls hockey fans of all ages is where we leave you have a great week uh i'm sure that given things um actually before i wrap there was one other thing i wanted to tell you um if you're if you're going to turn your phones on and keep your twitter up at work this week or over the next week or so between now and the deadline there are two dates where I believe that trades are going to happen most likely. Wednesday the 22nd, so this week. And next Monday the 27th. I think for the Boston Bruins, specifically this Wednesday, is the most likely day that Sweeney would want to pull a trade. And you have some scientific reason for making this statement, yes? Well, yes. Wednesday, there's only three games on the on the entire NHL roster um, ah, okay. schedule, and there's only five, or maybe it's six games on the 27th. Um, and on the 27th, the Bruins are playing in Edmonton. It's an 8:30 game, or uh, well, 8:30 Eastern. So if there's a player maybe in Canada who they want to pick up, or on the West Coast who they want to pick up. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, Western Conference teams are more likely to trade with them than Eastern Conference teams um, like, you know, I don't know, Chicago, um, who owns two of the players we were talking about. Um, yeah. Assuming immigration issues aren't going to be an issue or immigration isn't going to be too big of an issue. Good time to make it happen. Chicago to Edmonton is a whole lot shorter um, or is a whole lot quicker uh, and with less time zones for to mess up the body than, you know, Edmonton to Boston or Anaheim to Boston. Hey, anything is possible with Sweeney. This coming from this coming from the guy who 
during the all-star break or was it during the Olympic break or it was during some break when nobody was paying attention or during the Super Bowl break when the Patriots were in the Super Bowl where he decided to get rid of Claude Julian. So. Oh, yeah. It was it was the Friday before the Super Bowl, I believe it was. He so. just casually <laughs> fired uh, the last coach to win them, a Stanley Cup and a Jack Adams. And hey. and did and did it under the guise of like nobody's looking. Let's get it done now. So, yeah, I could see him thinking things through and maybe doing a deal on a specific day for a specific reason. I'll go with you on that one. OK, and that's. <laughs> Now we're really, really wrapping the show, guys and girls. We are. This is this is the official wrap. Undecideds. <laughs> Have a great week. Uh, enjoy the hockey. <laughs>